0: Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV Podcast. For more information, go to www.TheVineChurchLV.com. How's everyone doing this morning? You guys doing good? Woo! I appreciate it. I appreciate the blessing. Highly favored. Thank you, Haas. Uh, any other textbook Christian answers? We'll take them all because they're all really nice anyway. You're the head, not the tail. We're above and not beneath. I love it. See, but that, that'll, but like, that'll preach, though. <laughs> yeah, Like, that's that's a great section of scripture. Well, I love you guys. I'm glad y'all are here, those of you who are here. Um, and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers and to all of you children. See, like, the great thing about church is, like, some of us who, like, aren't, a, like, we don't pay attention to calendars. These are good reminders of what's going on. Uh, <laughs> My wife's like, you know, like last week, she's like, oh, what are we going to do for Mother's Day? And I was like, you know, at the church, and I was like, call my mom. Thank God someone brought that up because I wasn't even aware of what day it was. So, yeah, church is important. It keeps me on a calendar. Um, <laughs> I'm sure some of y'all can, can say amen to that as well. Um, that's also how I know if it's uh, leap day or not. Like when I find out if we're springing forward or, or falling back or whatever it's called when the, the time changes. That's because of church. I know that. Otherwise, I would have no idea. Um, well, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, if you're here, it's it's because of because of a mom. Um, yeah, Amen. Uh, I know that Mother's Day, like like my my mom mentioned, uh, my wife that'll come up in therapy. Uh, like uh, <laughs> like my wife mentioned, um, what are you gonna do? You know what are you gonna do? Uh, she acts like my mom. Um, no, she does though. She's like, did you eat today? And I'm like, no. And like, did you brush your teeth? And I'm like, yeah, I did. But thank you for reminding me because sometimes I forget like, like all that textbook mom stuff. People say that about my wife a lot. They say, uh, she was born a mom and, uh, it's definitely true. Um, I am mad about it. I'm enjoying it. Um, but, uh, This can be, this can potentially be a hard day for mothers and for children. Um, And I want you guys to know that I'm glad you're here. Uh, We're grateful for each one of you. Um, Jesus (laughs) is the answer for anything that we are going through. It's something we stand and we believe here as a church. And I do want to encourage you, though, that if you have a mother and if you, maybe if there's stress going on between the two of you, that that Christ would call us to reach out and love and, uh, even if it's awkward or maybe if it's uncomfortable, um, let your mom know you love her today. Amen. Um, and just show that love of Jesus. Um, we've been diving in a series called Daily. Can you guys say it Daily? Can you guys say it again? Oh, no one said it again. No, but yeah, say Daily. We're going to wake up a little bit. Say Daily. Look to a neighbor and say Daily. I said, say, little B, screaming at Amelia. Dang. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Amelia's like, I'm going to sit somewhere else next week. Um, I've had conversations with you. You can't say that. Uh, Daily, one more time. All right. Now, because we're not awake, I know the the number one thing that a Christian pastor can say that will wake a church up. Can we give a shout for Jesus? Welcome to service. Love you guys. I'm glad you guys are here. That intensity, let's just keep it Um, because I'm really excited. When in doubt, look to little B, and she's going to tell you exactly where we're supposed to be on the crazy scale. Uh, Those of you during worship here were like, oh, that's where we're supposed to be right there, and so he dove right in, Uh, but we're doing a series called Daily. Our church is going through a series of transitions, a series of changes. And during this change, we felt as leaders, as preachers, as pastors, and just in my own personal secret place, that in, a, in, a, in the time of trial, we should always fall back to the basics. Um, you know, they say that, you know, the, the NFL professional football players, they run the basics every day. Amen. And that's no different for a Christian, that we have to constantly come back to the basics. And uh, it has never been the intention of this series for you guys to learn something new. It's been the intention to remind you and ask the question, are we still doing this daily? Or has the fire died down a little bit? Because if it's died down a little bit, it's a great reminder to go, oh, yeah, and just fan the flame again. Amen. And so today we're going to be talking about a beautiful simplicity. Uh, Josh White wrote a song called The Beauty of Simplicity, and I stole the title, and that's, that's what this is. Uh, it's a beautiful song. I recommend listening to it because the point of the song is kind of the point of the sermon of, um, I think, as Christians, in order to stay excited for God, we try to overcomplicate things. It's in an attempt to, t- oh, I haven't had my mind blown recently Well, like we talked about last week, the angels are before God and nothing's changing, but they're getting blown away every time they look at him. See, God actually is enough. So we attempt to go deep sometimes to stay excited for God. But Christianity is actually a very simple religion. It's a very simple relationship. I don't have to go crazy deep and, 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 and more and more thoughtful for my wife to know that I love her. You know, the relationship has to stay at the basics. It has to stay at the the good mornings. It has to stay at the good nights. It has to stay at the dates. It has to stay. Those little basic things that got me my wife in the first place, I need to keep doing those things daily, and the same as with any real relationship, because if you have to, if you can only keep it by going higher and higher on a deeper and deeper fire, you will inevitably become a shooting star and fizzle out. Amen. But God is actually that good and he actually is that beautiful and there is beauty in the simplicity of who God is and actually we, we as Christians are called to never get past that point. Amen? Because no matter what I'm going through in my life, the answer is still Jesus. No matter where my struggle is, the answer is still the cross. No matter how big the devil may seem, Jesus is unchanging and no matter how big my circumstance may seem and I've been through a ton of things but But this time, I don't know what to do. Jesus, just go back to the basics. Amen. Um, And so we've been talking exclusively out of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, and reading a section of scripture that showed what the body of Christ was doing when Jesus had ascended, when he had left, his Holy Spirit had come down, and now we are the church. And now what do we do as a community? And we see that the disciples and the apostles and the deacons and and anyone else who has some kind of title that, you know, so I can feel like I have a title, Um, anyone else who has any other position in the church, um, they're doing things daily together. And they, they never get past that point. And even when they separate and even when they distance themselves, I've been looking at the book of Acts and I've been reading it recently, just going ahead of this sermon series. And it's funny, there's a phrase, at least in my New King James and my ESV translation that comes up a lot. And that word is daily. It comes up a lot in the book of Acts because it's like we said um, before, the book of Acts, you can translate that better to action. It's the book, it's, it's a verb. It's the book of the action of the apostles and the action of the disciples and what were they doing. Amen. Uh, But something else is going to come up today. Another word that you'll see a lot in the book of Acts is the word seemed. And what I mean by that is people were following God to the best they could. And sometimes in the Bible it said, well, they did what seemed best to them. Seemed best based off of the fact that I know God. And I know his will, and maybe the Holy Spirit isn't speaking clearly and loud right now in this moment. But but it seems like, because of the character of God, this is something I should do. And you see the apostles make major decisions in the Bible based off of the word seemed. And we're going to talk about that a lot today because the reason they can make big decisions based off of what it seemed to be is because they knew a truth. that This faith, this walk, this relationship, it's simple. It's not overcomplicated. And I don't mean simple as in like sometimes like you're simple, simple minded. I mean simple, and a little bit is actually a lot of bit enough for me. Amen. Amen. So we're gonna read that section of scripture. We're gonna dive in. Where am I at in time? Because I I, I lost track there for a second. Uh, we're gonna go to Acts chapter two, verse forty two. Can y'all say Acts chapter two? Say verse forty two. And one of y'all who, like, already forgot, look to your neighbor and say, what was the verse again? And they'll tell you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If we can do me a favor from now on, not have so many verses on one screen, because I'm, 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 I'm intimidated by this. All right. You guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> um, 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. We are on week three out of five, and that was week one. The first thing the body of Christ did daily was spend time together. The first thing they did daily was pray for each other, eat with each other, right? Fellowship with each other. Talk about Jesus with each other. Amen? Um, we can't ever get past that, and, and I know that it's starting to become vogue in, in the church world, or at least in the Christian world, to, to not be a part of a church and say that I have a relationship with God, but in the book of Acts, when they tried that, they began to fall apart, and they had to go back to daily interactions with each other, um, Amen. And then we dove into week number 2 where then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And so what happened was fear or as we read last week that word actually better translates to awe or wonder, right? Awe and wonder began to fall upon the people. A reverent fear, a reverent recognition of God began to fall on the people as a byproduct of the community, right? And the reason why we can know that it says then so as they continued in prayer and in relationship with each other, then God began to move in the midst of them. Amen. So what's the secret to changing a city is to like each other. <laughs> you know, it's one of the big secrets to seeing God change a city is for the body in that city, the body of Christ in that city, to be unified and connected and to seek God and each other first. Amen. And once we have a healthy recognition of our love for each other and a healthy recognition of how big God is, we move on to what we're talking about today, which is simplicity. Um, what were the two greatest commandments? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so we actually covered that. We can keep that verse up, by the way. Uh, we actually, we covered that the past two weeks. We covered the people, and we covered our relationship with God, right? And so... We've worked, what the point is is at this point in our walk, at this point as a community and as a standard of people, what we should be at is, well now we're fulfilling the great com- the great commandment together, right? Because but again, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law; he came to fulfill it. And when they said, well then, how do we fulfill the law? How do we walk with Christ in the law? He said, well, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? These things hang everything on. And so once I can fulfill the great commandments, then we move on to now all who believed were together and had all things in common. So they're together, first week, had all things in common. Now we're moving to something more simple, right? Um, And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had Need, not want, right, as anyone had need. Listen, the second we let our wants take us, we stop being simple before God, right? And so, again, I don't want you to hear simple as simple-minded or simple as boring or simple as I can't have fun and I can't enjoy my life. But what I mean by simple is I am satisfied with the bare necessities, as Baloo the bear has taught us. And there's wisdom in that song, look for the bare necessity, and he's happy about it, right? And so like, it's, it's there, it's in the Bible. Baloo stole it from Jesus, but it's like absolutely there. And the, but, that's, but that's the point of the song, how satisfied he was in just living his life, right? And he's telling Mowgli, you're worried too much, right? <laughs> We're going straight Disney here. He's looking at this little kid and saying, hey, you're worrying about all these things, let's just go enjoy it a little bit, right? And that's the point we get to with God, right? I love people, I love God. That's actually called, before God, that's supposed to be enough. Amen? And so we could sing that song together as a community, just not as a worship song. Um, and sold their, gosh, how, what would you guys do if we just came in with that song? That would be so awesome. And they sold their possessions. Oh, cool, that's the same thing. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone had need. Listen, if you need the bigger, if you need the better, if you need the more, Like the rich young ruler, when Jesus says, well, if you're going to follow me, do this. And he said he couldn't, for he had much. He had such great desire for things. It's not bad to have things, as long as things don't have you. But we don't find out where we're at with our things until the temptation is, are you going to keep them, or are you going to lose them? Well, I think God's wisdom would tell me to keep them. But the problem is, if you go to the Bible again and again and again, God would tell you, hey, don't worry so much. You have two coats? Well, that guy has zero. Give him one. (laughs) <laughs> right, which is really hard to do unless you love right, which is why we don't get to this point until we love the people around us correctly, uh, amen, and so by the way, at any point today during the sermon, if we talk and you're like, I'm just not there yet, I want to give you a little bit of advice, just something to know and to keep in mind, that's okay, walk out your faith in fear and trembling, now, this is a daily thing, a daily heart, nothing owns me, amen, Get there, and if you're not, what do you do? You pray about it and you talk about it, and you let people walk with you through it, amen. (laughs) Listen, I have no intention, I actually intentionally wrote this sermon to never get big because that would defeat the purpose of talking about being simple, right? You already heard it all, but we're going to talk about the Bible a little bit. But I, I have that's all I have to give you guys today, amen. Um, next verse, so continuing. No, I'm saying, uh, continuing, continuing with one accord in the temple, that's next week, and breaking of bread from house to house, that's the first week, they ate their food with gladness, uh-oh, how do you get the title, you <laughs> stole it from the Bible, um, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, they were in community with gladness And simplicity of heart. Remember the people that want to kill them because they're preaching Jesus that they're in the temple? Well, they're going in the temple with gladness and simplicity of heart, right? They're going before the people that radically hate their religion and they're staying simple and glad. And nothing can say, no one can say anything about it. It's just simple. Next verse, last verse in our little thing. And praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church. One more time. I'm sorry, I couldn't quite hear you, (laughs) right? Daily, I lost where I was at, Uh, having favor with the people and the Lord added to their church daily, those who were being saved, and that's week five, so don't get ahead of yourselves, because I got ahead of myself last week, and I'm really excited about that anyway. um, A little bit more section of scripture I want to talk about today. Uh, We're going to jump to the book of Luke. Because that's mainly where our little story is coming from today. The book of Luke, and we're going to talk about being simple hearted. And and what I mean by simple is people try to overcomplicate. Right? We try to overcomplicate this faith. Listen, and this is a conversation I've been having recently with a few people. Most of the times when you feel like you're torn between multiple decisions before God, the answer is really obvious to anyone but you. And the reason for it is because we have our own opinion and we have our own stake, right? And so because I'm not willing to maybe sacrifice something, I I can't see the simple answer God has given me, right? I I have actually yet in my life and when I've counseled and when I've interacted with people, I've never heard God's answer be complicated, even in a seemingly complicated situation. And the reason is, look, uh, this isn't a sexy thing to talk about, but um, in modern culture, the word... Truth isn't a very strong word, right? Uh, We're called, uh, we're in a post-Christian, they call it a post-truth nation is what we're at because the people are going, well, this is my truth and that's your truth. Um, But the Bible's actually very black and white about truth, right? And so you're allowed to walk through it and you're allowed to struggle, but you're not allowed to say the truth is changing, right? You can say, I know I should do this, but I just can't right now. And that's actually okay being recognizing where you're at, but truth is unchanging. Because here, here's the reason. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So truth is a person. And the person is Jesus who we lay our answers on. And so when we're dealing with what should I do, there is an answer that is the truth. There is something that we are supposed to do and we're supposed to grab and we're called to do this. But typically, well, I want, I want to do this. And so wait, I'm confused, God. What are you telling me? He's telling you the truth. Amen um and so a, a certain group of pharisees uh, depending on the version of scripture you're reading sometimes it's the sadducees that come and ask this question sometimes it's the lawyer that asked this question uh, sometimes it's a rich young ruler but the question got asked to jesus a lot and jesus the question would be if we go to luke chapter 10 verse 25 and we're going to read to verse 37 it's our main thing we're talking about today and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tested him who's him Right? Just for some context, y'all say Jesus. We're going to talk about him a lot today, so I hope that you guys like, like him. Uh, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, what is written in the law, what is your reading of it? He's asking him his opinion, but then he's going to teach him a truth. Right? Right? So he answered and said, you shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, oh, whoa, and he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. In some translations, what Jesus says is the kingdom is not far from you. He's saying if you continue down this line of logic, if you continue down following God like this, you will walk into the kingdom whether you know it or not. I mean, obviously you have to accept Jesus, but you don't realize you're this close to the kingdom. You're doing everything and believing everything right, but you're doing it for the wrong reason. That's the only thing holding you back. Amen? But him wanting to justify himself, can I pause real quick? Um, if someone tells you, man, what do I do, and you say love, and then you say, well, what, but what about? You've already disqualified yourself, and you've already revealed that you don't have a heart to love that person, right? The second you ask the question to qualify love, it's not love anymore because you can't qualify love. You just love. Love, Jesus says, is an action. It's to lay down your life for people. Right, so loving God, right, is to to give up my life to do what he's called me to do. And loving my neighbor is to give up what would make me comfortable to make him better. So he says, well, what about? And he's revealing that though he knows the answer, his heart's not in it yet. Right? So he says, wanting to justify to himself, himself, who is my neighbor? Why? Well, because I want to know who I have to love and who I can write off. Right? That's what I'm saying. He's revealing his heart isn't to love. It's to look like he's loving. Amen? It, it's, that, it's that simple. Jesus says love them. Well, who? All, all of them. What do you mean love who? Right? <laughs> like, like, love everyone. Okay, but like, who's everyone? Everybody's everybody, right? And that's the moment Jesus is having with this guy. But he recognizes he's trying. He's genuinely seeking. He's just in the wrong place. And so what does Jesus do? He tells a bedtime story. Um, Jesus answered and said, a certain man went from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. No, that's not good. Who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. It's a bad day. That's a real bad day. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side of the road. Um, The Pharisees had added to the laws of God in an attempt to better follow God, right? So when Jesus says there's a Sabbath, or when God said keep the Sabbath, they would begin to say, okay, well, this is what it means to keep the Sabbath. And so when Jesus, quote-unquote, broke the Sabbath in front of them, you can't find a verse in Leviticus that explains how he broke it. What you'll find is if you look in their extra writings, you'll find explanations about how Jesus broke it. So Jesus kept the law that God had given, but refused to walk in the law that they had added. Right. So in the laws that they had added, and actually in some references to God, we see these two men and a priest cannot touch what is dead, what is wounded, and what is bleeding. Right. And so to the eyes of the Jews... Jesus was, uh, this, this priest and this Levite, they were in the right, they were biblically and by the law correct to walk around him and not go to him. And so Jesus is specifically using an example because we look at this and we say, well, of course, right? Because we're going to see another guy that's going to help and we're like, well, of course the other guy, right? But you don't understand when he's talking to them, he's using their culture and he's explaining to them, see, you think it's okay that this guy didn't love this person. But I'm telling you, God cares less about the priest's cleanliness and more about his heart for the broken man. And that's what Jesus is coming to do. And he's coming to teach that. Because who is our high priest? And who is the wounded man in the story? Typically, us. And what did Jesus do? He came to us anyway. And when a woman with an issue of blood comes up to Jesus and touches him, and he should be made dirty by the law, she gets made clean. Because he's blowing everything up that they believe. By the law, he's tainted, and yet she got healed. Amen? And so by the law, they should pass by, and they should ignore him. But Jesus is saying, see, they're not being neighbors, and they're not being loving. And so they may keep all these extra rules, but they're not keeping the law. And the law is to love. Amen? But a Samaritan, y'all, that's a bad word. To them. You know, you know all the rules Jews had and all the beliefs they had about what they would call crossbreeding? See, what people don't know is we're not supposed to mix colors in church, right? That's what people try to say, right? And that's, but that's what's happening in Jewish times. So a Samaritan is someone who's part Jew and part something else. That's so awesome. This part Jew and part something else. and And what's happening is they see him as something evil. They see this guy as something wrong, and they keep them away, right? The Samaritans lived in an area called Samaria. It's crazy stuff. And uh, priests, when they were walking through, they would walk around Samaria. And if you actually look, when Jesus goes and talks to the Samaritan woman at the well, he intentionally walks through. But the Bible would show, if you look at the story, he's walking around also. And then the Bible says, but the Spirit led him in. Right? Because Jesus was teaching them this is the road you think you're supposed to walk but here's the road we're going to walk. And he walks in because he's showing them something about love. So the Samaritan who we're not supposed to like who is dirty, who if you touch, you've messed up. Why does he love a hurt person more than your priests and more than your Levites and more than the greatest among you? You from your own mouth are telling me that God would say love and love and love with no qualification. You just said that, lawyer. Then how come the priest has the right to walk away? He's shaking things. and He's making people angry, by the way. this story, This it's not... You ever listen to someone tell a story? and you hate the story they're telling, (laughs) and you hate the moral they're trying to give you, and you just get mad, and your ears shut off on you. Has it ever happened to you? It happens to me. Not in church ever, of course, but but in other situations, right? Like, oh, you know what? No, go to any, just sit down and watch the political debates. Someone's going to say something you disagree with, and here's what you're going to do. Bow out. Just mentally bow out, because you don't want to hear what this person has to say. Here's where Jesus is. And he's making some political and law statements they don't want to hear. And their temptation is to bow out, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. Who looks more like Jesus? The sinner. The person that God doesn't love. Right? And yet he looks more like God than you do. Right? Is what Jesus is teaching them. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I would rather you be like a Samaritan than a priest. Go and do likewise, is what Jesus said. I would rather you act like the sinners that you say don't know God than the self-righteous, legalistic, religious church folk that push someone out the door because they don't like the way they dress, they don't like the way they talk, they don't like their backstory, they don't like where they came from. But here's the truth, the answer is simple. Would God love this broken person who walked through the door? So who, should should I love them as well? It's simple. But we we love that, right? Because loving everyone who's broken is really vogue. It's really in. But you know, God told us to to give. And the answer is simple. So do you tithe even though you don't personally want to tithe? The answer's simple. Right? Christianity, God's pretty, we had a debate when we were interns, me and teacher and my wife, and there was a big debate, and everyone had this argument, is God black and white, or is he shades of gray? And the debate got so big that our pastor at the time pulled everyone and put us in three groups and made us have a formal debate about it. Right? With people saying shades of gray, and people saying "Black and white." And then pastor the pastor looks at us and goes, "Hey, you see, God's going to teach us He's going to confirm this to us." And that Sunday, the lead pastor of the church got up, and during his sermons, and by the way, I just want you guys to know God's black and white." It was awesome. And I looked because I was on the black and white side, and I was like, "That's right, That's right. I win. Right? Because it was about winning back then and not about anything else. But, but I was right. Like, that is a fact. It's undeniable. It's an undeniable fact that I was right. Like, we go back. Was I? Was I? Okay. Um, <laughs> he was there. He can tell you. Stand and preach it. No, I'm kidding. But, um, but, but so God is black and white. God is very, he reveals. And so people try to say, what about the mysteries of God? And the Bible says, well, the mysteries of God are now revealed to his church. So even the things about God that people couldn't understand, even though he was always being black and white, Now we get to know those two. (laughs) Amen? Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for the last 17 minutes and 40-something seconds of this sermon, Father God, that you would bless us, God, that you would teach us to daily lean on the simple things, God, to daily keep our minds on your truth, to renew our mind every day before you, and to recognize that God... Maybe the things that we thought we should pursue and maybe the things that have kept us from you, God, maybe we can set those things to the side and just live a daily life before you that would be blessed, that would be about people, and that would be about love, and that would be about knowing you more. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. So there's a big, like, philosophical debate that people, you hear people say it a lot. Um, they say it to Christians, Right? There was a time in Germany where there was a group of people killing ethnic people for a different ethnicity, right? So we call them Nazis. The Nazi party was killing Jews and actually other people as well. But for the sake of the parable, we're going to talk about the Jews tonight. Um, He was attempting and they were slaughtering Jews, using them as a scapegoat so that he could use it to his rise of power. And so what would happen is there were some Germans that didn't believe in what Hitler was doing. They didn't agree with the Nazi party and what the Jews were running. They would make safe holes in their house for Jewish people to come and hide. Amen? And I'm sure you've seen the movies. You've seen like Anne Frank or like Schindler's List or I'm sure there's more. With the boy in striped pajamas was one, right? Um, Inglorious. Keep it there. Uh, <laughs> right but like it, it's, really, it's really popular in our pop culture like we know that's what happened we know about the stars we know about the uh, the symbols we know about but we know that they would knock on the door especially if you watched Inglourious they'd get really big in that they'd knock on the door and the Germans would ask a simple question is there a Jew in your house and so now when people talk to Christians they say "Well." God says lying is a sin. So should you lie and sin before God and let the person die? Or do you, right? <laughs> or do you do what's right before God and tell the truth and let someone die? And and people say that. I've had it brought up to me in the streets. Like, see how your religion makes no sense. And the answer is really simple. If I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and I love my neighbor as myself, I'm going to protect them. Right? People mean more to God. than I mean, should I still go repent because I lied? (laughs) 100, right? But the answer is simple. But here's the point. We hear it now, and we're sitting there, and we're like, well, yeah, of course, you saved the person, right? I mean, who honestly amongst you would have just lied and still felt like you were right with God for that, right? Aaron Rosenberg, everyone, he thinks... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you got to raise your hand, bro. <laughs> now, I hope it's on the podcast uh, that everyone knows that Aaron Rosenberg let someone die. <laughs> um, where was I at? That's like the best part. That's it. We can pray out. We're good. We ca- caught him. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um... <I'll laughs> um But putting God first, but here's the point, if you go back to that time in history, I'm sure it actually was a hard choice, because if they caught me lying, they were going to kill my family also. So keep that in mind whenever we're in the middle of our thing, and we think, man, this is such a complicated thing, and this seems like it can go in so many different directions, but someone from the outside could say, well, no, you, you saved the person, Right? And, and the terror doesn't change the fact that the truth is the truth. In my experience, though we can't deny someone's experience, it doesn't change the right answer before God. Because you genuinely can't say that you loved that neighbor as yourself if you let them die so that you wouldn't lie. Right? And this is kind of, a, we're at like a touchy Subject, but then you have to think when you're going through something, that's why it's really important to have counselors and to go to each other. You're on the outside, what's the right thing to do here? And don't write it off because it's hard, right? Christ called us to be simple, He called us to need Him and that He's enough for us. Amen. So, we know what the heart is if you look in the Bible. What's the heart? It's the, deep, it's the inner man, right? It's the deepest part of me. It's, it's my thoughts. It's my, some people call it a soul. Some people call it a mind. Some people call it a heart. If you actually read in the Old Testament, when you read the word heart, it translates the kidney. And we translate it as heart because in Jewish culture, they believe the kidney was the deepest part of the person. And so like it, in Jewish, they would say like deep in your kidney, right? Which is a weird thing to say in English, but also for us to say to a Jew and translate and say deep, deep in your heart. They'd be like, What? Right back then, because the kidney was the deepest part of the man, Or we consider the heart our deep part. So we know what the heart is. That's who I am. That's who I, what do I really feel. That's what I really think. But the word simple has a lot of connotations. So we're going to talk about them a little bit, and then we're going to wrap up. Sound good? All right, so let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 11. Chapter 11. I'm believing it's chapter 11. I've been wrong before. It's the first one on that list I gave you guys. In the New King James, please. Is it twelve? That's hilarious. I was wrong. It's not 11. I lied to all of you, and I apologize. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 12. All right. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity. And godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. You'll catch something in the King James Version in particular, but this is New King James. Uh, In the King James Version, they use the word simple a lot. Uh, Because the writers who have this text, they recognize what the book was trying to say. And there there was a theme. It was themed out as the word simple. But if we go to the NLT, we can see what this word simple means. Because um, they actually translated in the NLT this word correctly. Um, and so we say with confidence and clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness. you guys say holiness? Uh, simplicity means single, singular, single of mind, and single of eye in the Greek. And so in this moment, he's talking about how we walked and lived before you guys with a holiness, right? Holiness, right, righteousness is something I've given for free because I have Jesus. Holiness is when I walk and act like God would call me to walk and act like. Right? And so what Paul is saying, we lived simple, as in we lived exactly like the Bible would call us to live before you. So one of the major definitions of the word simple is holy or pure. Right? So they had a daily lifestyle of being holy and pure before God. Purity means to be sinless. Obviously, no one's perfect, and we have to go to God because he is our perfection, right? But purity means to be sinless, and it's something we should strive for before God. And so what we see is maybe in modern times, they weren't getting drunk. In modern times, they weren't watching pornography or sleeping around right? And, and though we just talked about love and how the, the great commandments lay on those things, we know that there are things that God doesn't like. And so in the name of loving him, I don't do those things. And what God loves is a man who, or a woman who's holy. And so I, because I know he loves that, I'm going to live like a man who is holy. Blameless, where the word holy means set apart. As in, here's what everyone else is doing, but I'm set apart from them and noticeably so. Simple. Romans chapter 12, verse 8, has another use of that word. Now, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Do you see that word, he who gives with liberty? Let's go to the King James Version. So this is talking about giving now. He that exhorteth on exhortation, and he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Simplicity. That word for simplicity means lavishly, which kind of is the opposite of simplicity, like you think. Um, It means without, it means liberally, as in a lot. And so literally the simple people, because they don't need a lot, they give a lot. And so the King James Version would translate it to simply because he's saying, it's not overcomplicated. It's not, God, should I give this? Oh, I don't know. Should I? I don't. And that's something that happens in our hearts a lot as we know what God's calling us to do, but we have a hard time grabbing on and just doing it. But God, Paul would say, just do it simply. Just give. And that is just the answer. Amen? And one more use for the word simply is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Yeah, I knew it was coming. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so by your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Can you guys say simplicity? Let's go to that verse in the NLT because they translate that word simply like we should. Um, And I fear somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Simple is undivided. It's pure. It's not torn. We get torn by our own emotions. We get torn, and and you're good, we're good. We get torn when what God wants us to do contradicts with what we want to do. And a lot of times we'll call it confusion when the truth is, is the answer is simple. If everything you faced, if every question you came up against, if every situation that the enemy threw at you, you put through the lens of, my God is big, my God is great, my God is awesome, and I love him above all else, and I love people more than myself, typically the answer is obvious. It's just uncomfortable. Amen. And so once we get to the place before God where we can say, you know what? I love you and I'll do anything for you. And like and and I love them because of how much you've loved them, what that translates into is I'll do anything for them. And that is what the Bible means by simple. It's holy. Why? Because God is holy. It gives. Why? Because it doesn't need. Simple. It's undivided and it's not torn because it's focused. God kind of as we close out um, like I said I didn't I intentionally didn't want this to boom I wanted it to stay simple and just something to to think about throughout the weeks something that we're spending time with each other and we're breaking bread with each other and we're praying with each other we're going to God we're asking him God will you keep my heart in this Will you keep me simple? And and it's like I mentioned last week, the the proverb that says, God, don't give me too much lest I forget my need for you, but don't give me so little that I'm tempted to steal. Right? And so the the, the proverb writer recognized that he he needed to live simply to not fall into sin. And when Jesus is interacting with a man, That says, I recognize and I follow the law from my youth. And he would look at him and say, truly you have. The rich young ruler. He says to him, you really have followed the law. You really have done all the things God has asked you to do. But you're missing one thing. What does he say? He says, give what you have to the poor. Help those in need. And come follow me. And the answer was simple but it said he couldn't do it, for he had many things. And so what was simple to anyone who would read the text was complicated to a man who was in a situation and was grabbing onto his things. What was a simple decision to anyone outside of his situation was a radically life-altering decision for a man in his decision. And like I said, it doesn't change the truth. God has called you to great things if you're in this room. Something I love about this church is no matter what, the enemy's thrown against it, and he has thrown a lot, and things that should have ruined this church. I mean, I, right, like where we're standing right now, we shouldn't still be here, but we've stood strong together as a community. I'm very grateful for each one of you guys, and it's because when it got uncomfortable, when you recognized this is my chance I could leave, you chose to stay. And I know that if you're in this room right now, I know what's in you because you've proven that it's in you. God has big things for you. And a lot of times, he asks us to cut back before he springs us forward. Amen? And maybe you're in a season with God where you feel if you're being honest and if you get alone and if you're looking, you feel like you know what to do. You feel like people would be against you for it. And you feel like you would disappoint someone or you feel like you'd make someone angry at you or you feel like maybe it's just not what you want to do and so it's holding you back and know that God gives us the grace to break through that but you've got to do it and like I said if you're not ready that's okay that's what the church is here for to walk with you and guide you and take you to the places you didn't think you even deserved to be but inevitably at some point it's going to come down to you taking a step Amen? And, and when I say it's simple, don't, please don't take it as me saying that it's easy. I'm saying it's simple. Amen? Because for a priest in those days to help him in need and help him who's hurting under that circumstance would have had to reject the priesthood, would have had to reject what he perceived as the law, And would have had to reject the people that are speaking in his ear to love someone who was broken. And as complicated as it is for him is how complicated it gets for us. John the Baptist, his father was a priest. And John the Baptist grew up under a father in the priesthood. John the Baptist was under a father who prophesied. And John the Baptist had to reject his father's ways, go into a wilderness, eat locusts and honey, and dress in a robe, and he had to look everything like not a priest, even though he was becoming a prophet to lead in the kingdom, right? To John, the answer was simple, but it was hard. I guarantee it. Amen? It's the beauty of simplicity. It's a beautiful simplicity. Listen, whatever you're going through, I'm sorry if you wanted something more, but the answer is, it's Jesus. And the answer actually won't ever stop being, it's Jesus. And the answer won't stop being, man, I pray on that. And the answer won't stop being, hey, man, what has God told you? And it's like, I don't know, I want, I want some big flashy sign to show in the sky. But most times, he answered you quietly and simply. And the truth of who he is. Mark Prince posted a picture yesterday that I thought was fantastic. It's a man on his knees saying, God, just speak to me. And then God's hand hands a Bible to him. <laughs> you know, God, God just, God, should I, should I take this job? It's a lot more money. And then one of your, one of your friends or a fellow church member says, hey man, uh, I feel like God's, I really feel like God gave me a word for you uh, that he's gonna do big things with you and you. he's calling you to serve and step up. But the job would mean you can't take that job because of the serving, right? And, and so we go, all right, God, I'm confused now, confirm to me. But he probably already did, amen? And God speaks, and he talks, but n- I've never had him talk to me the way I wanted him to. I, when people say, oh, the Lord spoke to me today, I've never met one person when I go, oh, audibly? No. Okay, so how did God talk to you then? Because like, right, um, God speaks to us in ways that maybe aren't the clearest to us, but it's only because of our personal circumstance. It's because of how we view things and how we see things that makes it seem complicated. (laughs) When God told me to uh, step down at a position I was at at work and make less money, um, I asked for a confirmation, I got like three, and I kept saying, okay, but but a different one, God right? And the the truth was there and the answer was simple. I just didn't want to embrace it. Amen. So dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. That God, we know that you're enough for us. That God, we know it's you that sustains us and keeps us, Father God. Lord, we know it's you that guides our path and it's you that's the light to our feet and it's you that's the lamp to our way, God. But we also know that you placed us and said, here is a narrow road and walk it, Father God. I pray we'd be simple and single-minded in our love towards you. That God, your word says that your love is close and your protection is for the simple-hearted Father God. And I pray we'd walk in that and know that we're protected and guarded and loved by you, Lord. God, help us to make the decisions we don't want to make in the name of living a life that looks more like yours, God. And God, may I not be a Christian for my own comfort, God, but may I seek you because I want to know you more. And because I want to fall deeper in love with you, God. And I want to build a deeper relationship, God. So help me love others like you love them. Help me to give and help us to give in a way that maybe we're uncomfortable giving. And to make steps that we've always found uncomfortable. But we know what you're speaking, God. Give us the courage and the grace and the faith to take those steps, Lord. And in Jesus' name I say, Amen. Amen.